Hello, my name is Michael D'Angelo. Welcome to Let This Mind Be In You, or if you're a return listener, welcome back. This is a ministry founded on proclaiming the gospel to the lost and exhorting Christians to remember that we have the mind of Christ, so let this mind be in you. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe with all of your friends and family. And if you'd like to reach me, you can reach me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. That's ltmbiy at yahoo.com. I also have a Facebook page. You can find that at Let This Mind Be In You Ministries. Just search for that. Also, you can find us on YouTube at Let This Mind Be In You. Hello and welcome to another episode of What's On My Mind. In this episode, we're going to be talking about marriage, specifically relating to interracial marriage. Um, It's a sort of a controversial subject, but we're going to approach it, look at uh, what the Word of God says about the matter, and um, I hope that you listen to the entirety of the matter and and that you would be blessed and edified. And uh, remember to be about the Word, so let this mind be in you, as the Bible says. So let's join for this previously recorded podcast as we talk about marriage on What's On My Mind. And hello, welcome to another episode of What's On My Mind. Today, we're going to be speaking about marriage. And uh, before I get started, I just want to say a few things, okay? Um, This has been on my mind for a long time. Uh, What's On My Mind being the name of the episode uh, or the series of of videos and teachings. Um, But really has been on my mind, and I'll if you go back to the first episode of Living Soul, uh, talking about all the things that are going on, especially in this country and all around the world with race relations and, um, you know, this race and this is, you know, all these different things that are going on. And so um, it's been on my mind for a long time. That's why um, I started with Living Soul. And uh, the next one was Fellow Citizens. And uh, the third episode is... Uh, um, remember who you are. I'm sorry, but remember who you are. You can go back and check all those out, but it's been on my mind for a long time. So uh, first and foremost, this is not uh, directed towards any particular individuals, uh, so forth and so on. This is, has been on my mind for a long time, and uh, it's been brought to the forefront uh, with many things going on in the world today. And uh, so I just wanted to bring that out. So I have quite a bit of scripture uh, this is a fairly long study. Um, I, it's probably not going to hit the 20-minute mark like I've been trying to, even though I've gone over a few times on these series. But please watch the entirety of the thing, and um, I'm going to bring out what the Scripture says. And um, and, for, and the second thing I wanted to bring out was, uh, as we talk about, as you see the title of marriage, um, it's, it's been on my mind because I'm, I'm about to deploy as of the filming of this, and uh, I've been thinking about my wife and uh, the picture of what marriage is and uh, just thinking about all that different things um, in relation to the church. And we'll get into that as well within this study. And uh, the last thing I want to say, um, the last thing I want to say on this is that I, even though I bring this out in the scriptures, I'm just saying what the, what saith the scriptures. And, uh, but if people hold certain standards or convictions and things like that, I completely understand that. Um, I, that's not for me to decide, and that's with your personal walk with Jesus Christ. Um, and I don't hold it against anybody. Um, I will not break fellowship over this particular topic um, as we study through here, and you'll see why. I don't break fellowship. Um, I'll still uh, love people in the Lord. And I don't think this is a quote-unquote salvation issue at all. Um, 
sadly, uh, some will um, not like what I have to say and, and not want to have anything to do with me. And uh, I, I, that pains me. Um, I, I wish that wasn't so. It's just, it's just the way it is. But um, as the, the uh, let's turn to a verse of Scripture and let me tell you what I, the reason why I'm saying this. In 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, in verse number 1, it says, I charge thee, therefore, before God. That's a strong statement, very strong statement. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, the Lord will judge, of course, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Therefore, I don't call people out individually by name. Uh, that's not my place. I don't have anybody in particular on my mind as I do this study and as I was preparing. What the Lord showed me, the, the scriptures, I'm to preach the word with all long suffering, though, and doctrine. I'm just going to give you the word. I'm just going to preach you the word. And, uh, you know, if there, there happens to be disagreements over it, you know, um, as I mentioned when I first came on this public platform of YouTube and Facebook and everything like that and on the podcast versions, uh, there's probably going to be things we disagree about, but um, let let the Spirit teach us every time we open up the Word of God, okay? Let's not come in with preconceived notions. And with that being said, let's turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 22, or excuse me, Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 22. And we're going to look here, we're going to look here at the first marriage in creation. I love teaching about creation. It's one of my favorite things to do. So as we look at this first thing, let's look at the thought, because we will come all the way back around to this at the end of this study. God brought together the first marriage. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 22, the Bible says, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. See, the Lord brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. They were clothed in his righteousness, but we'll get to that, okay? So just remember that in mind. We're going to talk about Genesis uh, chapter 2 and verse 22 through 25. Um, later on, and you'll see where that goes from there. So let's look at the word Mary, okay? M-A-R-R-Y. Uh, just did a brief study through the, the Bible, just looking up different things, and a lot of things started popping out to me. Let's look at first uh, Numbers chapter 36. Remember, that I'm, I, I told you at the beginning, there's going to be quite a bit of turning, and uh, if you need any of these notes, they're going to be right below in the uh, comment section on both uh, YouTube and also on Facebook, and I will provide them in the description of all the podcasts, okay? So you'll be able to look those up, okay? But uh, Numbers chapter 36, Numbers chapter 36 and verse number 1, and uh, we'll read all the way through verse 13 just to get good context. And the chief fathers of the families of the children of Gilead the son of Malchir, um, again, there's going to be some words in here, uh, names that I won't be able to pronounce, but I'll do my best. The son of Manasseh, of the families of the sons of Joseph, 
came near and spake before Moses and before the princes, the chief fathers of the children of Israel. And they said, The Lord commanded my Lord to give the land for an inheritance. That's a key word I want you to uh, look at there. By lot to the children of Israel. And my Lord was commanded by the Lord to give the inheritance of Zelophehad. Again, apologize for butchering these names. Our brother unto his daughters. And if they marry to any one of the sons of the other tribes of the children of Israel, then shall their inheritance be taken from the inheritance of our fathers. See, inheritance is used quite a bit here. And shall be put to the inheritance of the tribe whereunto they are received. So shall it be taken from the lot of our inheritance. And when the jubilee of the children of Israel shall be, then shall their inheritance be put unto the inheritance of the tribe whereunto they are received. So shall their inheritance be taken away from the inheritance of the tribe of our fathers. This is pretty busy with the word inheritance, but that's clearly what this is about. And Moses commanded the children of Israel according to the word of the Lord, saying, The tribe of the son of Joseph hath said well. This is the thing which the Lord doth command concerning the daughters of Zelophehad, saying, Let them marry. There's the word marry, as I search for. To whom they think best, only to the family of the tribe of their father shall they marry within their own tribe. Interesting. So shall not the inheritance of the children of Israel remove from tribe to tribe. For every one of the children of Israel shall keep himself to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. The land inheritance that was given. That's very interesting. And every daughter that possesseth, possesseth an inheritance in any tribe of the children of Israel shall be wife unto one of the family of the tribe of her father that the children of Israel may enjoy every man the inheritance of his fathers. Neither shall the inheritance remove from one tribe to another tribe, but every one of the tribes of the children of Israel shall keep himself to his own inheritance. Even as the Lord commanded Moses, so did the daughters of Zelophehad. For Mahala, Terah, and Hagla, and Milcah, and Noah, the daughters of Zelophehad, were married unto the father's brother's sons. And they were married into the families of the sons of Manasseh, the sons of Joseph. And their inheritance remained in the tribe of the family of their father. These are the commandments and the judgments which the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses unto the children of Israel in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho. This is all about inheritance. So that's the first thing we see here about Mary. They, they married within their own tribe. It's very, it's very interesting. Now look at Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse 5. Let's look at the term stranger. Deuteronomy, in relation to Mary, Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse number 5. Let's look at this. Let's see what this is in, in reference to. Deuteronomy 25 and verse number 5 says, If brethren dwell together, and one of them die, and have no child. Remember, this is within the tribe. The wife of the dead shall not marry without unto a stranger. Okay? Not outside of the tribe, because of the inheritance issue. Very interesting. Her husband's brother shall go in unto her, and, tell, and take her to him to wife, and perform the duty of a husband's brother unto her. Now, this same exact question is asked of Jesus Christ, and we'll get to that later on in the study. It's very interesting. Scripture with scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept. 
Now let's look at Matthew 22 and verse 24 to see, I believe, where this question was asked to Jesus. Matthew 22. This is all in way of introduction, and in, in, uh, like I said, the notes will be in below. But of the word Mary. Mary. Given in marriage, married, Mary. All right, uh, Matthew chapter 22 and verse number 24. Let's look what it says here. Uh, verse 23, you can start reading there. It's the Sadducees um, coming to Jesus to try to trip him up. Uh, they're talking about the resurrection, which they didn't believe in anyways, and asked him, saying, verse number 24, Master, Moses said, If a man die, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were us seven brethren in the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, and had no, having no issue, left, meaning sons, left his wife unto his brother, likewise the second also, and the third unto the seventh. So apparently the seven brothers went through all through, uh, seven of them. And last of all, the women died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall be, or excuse me, shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. Means they all consummated the relationship. No children. We don't need to go into further detail. Jesus answered and said unto them, verse number 29, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry, there it is again, the word again, nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Not married in heaven. Not married. Hmm. I wonder why. Well, church, we're married to another, as we'll get into later on. This is so amazing. The, this, this study really just, I was rejoicing as I was <laughs> writing all this stuff down and going through my notes and typing it all out uh, so I can put it in the comments section below. And boy, it was awesome. But let's turn now to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's look at the Apostle Paul. So we just saw Jesus talking about Mary, you know, as, as they are asking him, you know, these guys, they all married this one lady and, you know, who is she married to in the resurrection? And Jesus sets them straight. That's very interesting. So go to first Corinthians now and let's see what the apostle Paul through the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says to the church at Corinth. in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and let's start in verse 7 down through 23. Ready? All right. Uh, For I would that all men were even as I myself, but every man hath hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. Paul, real quickly here, Paul is just talking about uh, when he says, uh, even as I myself, apparently Paul wasn't married. Okay? Uh, And that's what he's talking about. So let's keep reading further. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry. Remember, he's writing to believers at the church at Corinth. The churches around Corinth and that these letters are spread abroad, received down through the ages, all the way to us now here in the English language for us, preserved perfectly as God promised he would. But if they cannot contain, let them marry, verse 9, for it is better to marry than to burn. And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. 
And uh, we can read down all the way down through verse 23. But as it speaks about, just to save some time here, read down all the way through verse 23, talking about, you know, wives are to remain, husbands are to remain. There's, there's some stuff in there about divorce. That's not what this, uh, this topic is about, okay? But let's keep going down. Uh, let's start, pick back up with... Um, Verse number 17, but as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk, as so ordain I in all churches. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. This is speaking of in the flesh. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, <laughs> but the keeping of the commandments of God. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Verse 21, art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be free, use it rather. For, for he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price. You're, but not ye the servants of men. So you're bought with a price from Christ. Now let's pick back up in verse number 28. Keep reading all the way down through here. It's very good. But, and if thou marry, there's the word again, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, shall, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. Okay, and this, again. I just, I won't go into whatever this topic is right here, right now. Verse number 29, but this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wise be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not. And they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belongeth to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Okay? Keep reading down here. But he that is married careth for the things which are of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world how she may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. Now there's too much here for me to go into right now, but keep reading. But if any man think that he behaveth himself uncomely towards his virgin, if she pass the flower of her age and need so require, let him do what he will, he sinneth not, let them marry. Nevertheless, he that is stead, standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will, and hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin, doeth well. So then he that giveth her in marriage doeth well, but he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. Interesting. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but her, if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will. Stipulation here, only in the Lord. It's the only stipulation that Paul gives. 
But if she is happier, if she so abide after my judgment, and, and I think also that I have the Spirit of God. Now, is Paul forbidding people to marry here? Seems like he is. No, he's not, because in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 through 7, he expressly talks about how dangerous that is, and now that is um, not right. Let's take a look at that. 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is not forbidding people to marry. He's just saying simply, especially during that time, boy, if you're not encumbered, you know, and uh, I don't want to get into all that for sake of time, but just think about your wife and your children being uh, tortured and murdered in front of you. And uh, boy, the thought of that, I can't even imagine what I would do. I pray to God that I would stand strong and everything like that, but I don't know. But if you're unencumbered, you know, just kill me. That's pretty much what the, the thought is. But look at 2 Timothy, or excuse me, I said 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast obtained, or excuse me, attained, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. So we see here that Paul is not forbidding to marry, and that is the first point, marry. Just all in way of introduction. So let's look now at the term married, okay, M-A-R-R-I-E-D, and let's turn back now to the Old Testament again, uh, we'll do this. We'll go start in the Old Testament, and the uh, Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament, so we'll see the similarities as we go through here. So Leviticus, Leviticus, all the way back to Leviticus chapter 22, verses 12 through 13. We're going to look at the term stranger, stranger, Leviticus chapter 22 and verse 12. Leviticus chapter 22 and verse number 12. And let's, uh, like I said, let's read to 13. Uh, If the priest's daughter, now, let's stop right there real quick. Priesthood in this time was in Levi, okay? That's the tribe of Levi. So if it talks about a priest's daughter, you know she's in the tribe of Levi. But if the priest's daughter be a widow or divorced and have no child and is returned unto her father's house, excuse me, let's start back in verse 12. If the priest's daughter also be married unto a stranger, she may not eat of an offering of the holy things. Remember the priest had, um, uh, so after the sacrifice was, everything was given, they got to, uh, you know, I don't want to go into all the details right now, but they were able to take their food, their sustenance back to their house um, in order to feed their family. Because remember, the Levitical priesthood did not have land granted to them. They had cities within other people's inheritance. So that's very interesting, but they only had cities, not their own, 
I guess you would call it a state or a, a region uh, for them. Uh, but as it says here, but if the priest's daughter be a widow or divorced and have no child and is returned unto her father's house as in her youth, she shall eat of her father's meat, but there shall no stranger eat thereof. Stranger means somebody not of the tribe of Levi. Not supposed to be uh, eating that stuff offered to, to as sacrifices because that was for the Levitical priesthood. That was for the tribe of Levi. So it's very interesting here what the word stranger means. If she can, she can marry. She marries outside of her outside of her tribe, so to speak, because again, they didn't have inheritance. See how this all fits together. So the stranger in this instance is somebody outside of her tribe. It's not anything else, other difference. Okay, it's right inside of her, uh, outside of her uh, tribe, so to speak. So look here in uh, verse number, or so, excuse me, let's go to Numbers now. Uh, chapter 12. This is a very famous account, okay? And I just wanted to bring this up. Numbers. Numbers chapter 12. So speaking of the tribe of Levi, so we know of Aaron and Moses are of the tribe of Levi. So let's look at an interesting uh, correlation here. I think this is pretty neat um, as I was going through these things. Just wanted to bring this up. Numbers chapter 12. In verse number one, and Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses. Why? It says, because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation, and the three and they three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the, of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle. This gets very interesting, by the way, for another video. Okay. And called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words, if there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, (laughs) not in visions in a dream, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wait. Again, this is for another video for another day, but read that again to yourself. Wherefore, then ye were not afraid to speak against my servant Moses. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and and behold, she was leprous. Interesting. Now, some people have different thoughts and opinions on this, but it seems like to me this was um, what some would maybe even say that they were trying to say, well, look, how can the Lord even speak through Moses? He's married to an Ethiopian woman. Seems like the, uh, if, if this was some sort of a judgment against Moses, if he was in the wrong, if he was in the wrong, he'd been going against an ordinance set by the Lord that he would have been the one that was judged, not Miriam. 
Uh, that's the way I, that's the way I, I, I see it. Okay. Some may see it differently and that's okay, but let's move on to the next one. Let's look up what it talks about as strange wives. You can look all this stuff up in a good concordance. Strange wives. What about that? Let's turn, uh, this is found in, let's just go ahead and, uh, this is found in three different places where it talks about strange wives. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 6 through 13. Ezra chapter 10, verses 1 through 18, and verse number 44. And then in Nehemiah 13, verses 22 through 31. So for time's sake, let's just turn to Nehemiah. You can always turn back to those other ones. They all practically say roughly the same thing. Okay, it's, it's the same concept. So I think we'll, we'll be okay here to just go to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 13 and verse number 22. 13. And start in verse 22. There's Levites coming out again here. And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should come and keep the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. In those days also I saw I Jews, this is uh, Nehemiah speaking here, that had married wives of Ashdod, of Ammon, and of Moab. And their children spake half in the speak of Ashdod, and could not speak in the Jews' language, but according to the language of each people. Uh, okay. And I contended with them, and cursed them, and smote certain of them, and plucked off their hair, and made them swear by God, saying, Ye shall not give your daughters unto their sons, nor take their daughters unto your sons, or for yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Well, let's see what these things are. Yet among nations were there no king like him, who was beloved of his God. And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even him did outlandish landish women cause to sin. Hmm. Shall we then hearken unto you to do all this great evil, to transgress against our God in marrying strange wives? There are strange wives there. Hmm. Interesting. And one of the sons of Joiada, the son of Eliashib, the high priest, was son-in-law to Sanballat, the Horonite. Therefore, I chased him from me. Remember them, O oh my God, because they have defiled the priesthood hmm. and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. Thus cleanse I them from all strangers. We just been reading what the Bible says and appointed the wards of the priests and the Levites, every one of his business and, uh, and for the wood offering at times appointed and for the first fruits. Remember me, oh my God, for good. Seems like the strangers here were bringing in what's called strange gods. Interesting. Let's look at now strange gods. So in the, in the notes below, I just have all the references for strange gods. Um, not listed will be strange God, singular. Um, I just stuck with the plural of the word little g gods, okay? Uh, so you'll find that in Genesis 35, verses 2 through 4, Joshua 24, 20 through 23, yep, uh, Judges chapter 10, verses, uh, verse 16, 1 Samuel 7, 3, 2 Chronicles 14, 3, 
and also in 2 Chronicles 33 and verse 15, Jeremiah 5.19, and finally, let's look at some two famous passages in the Bible. Okay, let's just look at them and see what they say. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse number 8. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse number 8. lot of scripture reading, but that's good. Uh, Chapter 32 and starting in verse 8. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, that's apparently when it happened, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel, the 12 tribes, okay? Makes sense, doesn't it? For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is a lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat of the increase of the fields. And he made him to suck honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock. Butter and kine, and milk of sheep, with fat of lambs, and rams of the breed of Bashan, breed of Bashan, and goats, with the fat of kidneys of wheat. And thou didst drink the pure blood of the great. But Jeshurun waxed fat, and kicked. Thou art waxen fat. Thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him, and lightly esteemed, capital R, the rock of his salvation. I wonder who that is. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils. Oof. Sacrificed unto devils. Goodness. Not to God. To gods, little g, whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not, of the rock, capital R, that begat thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. Seems like the rock, which is Jesus, was the creator. So, there it is. And when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very froward generation, children in whom is no faith. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities. And I will move them to jealousy with those which are not (laughs) a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. Guess who the foolish nation is? The Gentiles. So let's turn over to the correlating verse, verses in Acts chapter 17. Turn over to Acts chapter 17 and verse number, starting in verse number 18. Let's see the Paul bring up this exact same thing because of their wickedness, because they left the rock. All these different things that are back there in Acts, or excuse me, Deuteronomy. Let's look now at Acts. 
Acts chapter 17, and starting in verse 18. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Other some, He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Plural gods, small g. They thought he was talking about gods, plural, small g. Hmm, interesting. And they took him and brought him unto Aragapus, Pegas, Aeropagus, whatever, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest, sir, for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers, which were spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you. Here comes the big R rock. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Remember, Paul is speaking to pagans who worshiped all sorts of different things, right? They're Parthenons, they're, they're stone, they're, they're idols and all these different things. The sun, moon, stars, everything. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Keeps going. That they should seek the Lord. If happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. The Holy Spirit convicting people. Not very far from him. Accept him. Surrender your will. Come to the end of yourself. They that should seek the Lord, as I just read, verse number 28, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much, then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day, hmm, seems pretty interesting, in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. And so they hear about this, and they, so Paul departs and everything. But look at the similarities. Look at the Gentiles. That's us. The ones that uh, you'll see that in like Romans 11 and different places like that, uh, 9, 10, 11, you know, it talks about um, provoke them to jealousy, the nation of Israel, because they left their first love. They left the rock. So we see here strange gods and the strange wives were worshiping the strange gods. So it was a heart matter. Let's look at Romans chapter 7. Let's just be sure. Romans chapter 7 and verse number 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman, speaking of marriage again with the similarities here, 
which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man. See, that's the fornication, the adultery. She shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law. So that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. There's the married again. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another. Remember I talked about that in the beginning? As Jesus said, you're not given in marriage because we're married to somebody else. (laughs) This is so good. Even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Separation, the, the bounds of habitation, all that kind of stuff. And as it's talking through there of strangers, strange gods, stranger, strange wives, it all has to do with them wanting to worship what they wanted to worship. It was a heart matter. Finally, let's look down here at the last point of marriage, the word marriage. Hebrews chapter 13. Let's see what Hebrews has to say about this. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourself also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all. All means all. And the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. See the similarities between the spiritual and the physical marriage? It's always constantly going back and forth. Okay? That's what God is trying to get us to realize. The heart of the matter. Let's look at one more verse of scripture, and then I'm going to ask some questions. Revelation chapter 19. Remember when I said we're going to be married to another? Let's look at that. Revelation chapter 19, in verse number 7 through 9. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife hath made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he, this, and he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb, And he said unto me, these are the true sayings of God. And so marriage supper taking place here. Now, I'm not going to get into when this is and who this is and all this other kind of stuff, but there's another marriage that takes place in heaven. Okay? Uh, We're going to look at what I believe definitely is the church here in a second. But I'm going to ask him a couple questions here. Okay? This is from, with all love and sincerity, I want to ask a few questions. My first question when it deals with marriage and um, especially with the, what people label, and I'm putting the air quotes for those listening, around interracial, quote-unquote, marriage. If that was the case and you couldn't marry outside of your race, so to speak, or outside of your whatever, if that was the case, why would God then provide instructions to take a wife, to marry a wife, outside of the nation of Israel? If he commanded the nation of Israel not to, why would he give them instructions how to? You say, where is that at? That's in Deuteronomy chapter 21. Turn back to Deuteronomy 
chapter 21, and let's look at that. Remember, I don't believe that the Bible has any zero contradictions in it, and I mean zero. It is the perfect word of God, magnified above his name even. So look in Revel, uh, excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter 21 and verse number 10, and let's see what this is talking about here. When thou goest forth to war, this is speaking to the nation of Israel, against thine enemies, and the Lord thy God hath delivered them into thine hands, and thou hast taken them captive, and seest among the captives a beautiful woman, and hast a desire unto her that thou wouldest have her to thy wife. Get married. Here's the instructions. Then thou shalt bring her home to thine house, and she shall shave her head and pare her nails. Now, what does this have to do with anything? I think this has to do with ensuring that she's going to be putting away her strange gods. Ensuring this, humbling her, so to speak. Shaving her head, paring down her nails. Keep reading. And she shall put the raiment of her captivity from off her, and shall remain in thine house, and bewail her father and mother, and her mother, a full month. And after that, thou shalt go in unto her. Again, I'm not going to explain what that is. Everybody should know. And be her husband, and she shall be thy wife. And if it shall be, if thou hast no delight in her, then thou shalt let her go whither she will, but thou shalt not sell her at all for money. Thou shalt not make merchandise of her, because thou hast humbled her. Not only, you know, with what I just talked about, the consummation of the relationship, or the, the marriage, but also the shaving of the head and so forth and so on but they could marry a beautiful woman out of these tribes that they conquered. So that's my first question. If it has to do with skin color, if it has to do with race, etc., cetera, um, then why is the Lord giving them instructions on how to marry? Second question. If marrying outside of the 12 boundaries, as we looked at it, Deuteronomy chapter 32, Acts 17, where are the scriptures that clearly tell us what those boundaries are? I haven't been able to find them. If you can tell me what those 12 boundaries are from the word of God, I would love to know. Write me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. Because if it's, it's not just necessarily a black, brown, you know, white, you know, yellow, red and yellow, black and white, you know, they are precious in his sight as the old song goes. That's only five. So there's seven others out there. Like, how, how do we know? Because believers now, if we're going to go to this as being for us, as we can't marry outside of our boundaries, and it's, it's sin if we do, if that's the case, then the scriptures would clearly tell us. And if it does, please tell me about it. Show me where in the word of God, where those boundaries are set as far as this is it, this is it, this is it. Because if it's about black and white, then I would know, okay, I can't marry a black woman. I got it. Okay, got it. But it doesn't seem to be about that from everything that I've studied through. If you have some place, if you can tell me, I would love to know. So reach out to me, okay? Number three, third question. Speaking of Deuteronomy chapter 32 and Acts 17, how is this applicable how are those verses applicable to us as the bride or the body of the church of God? 
as the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the church of God. So I gave some church of God references just for people to see what that's talking about. That's Acts 20 and verse 28, 1 Corinthians 1 verses 2, and also 11 verse 22, and also in, in 1 Corinthians 15 in, chapter, in verse 9. Also, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1, Galatians 1 and verse 13, and 1 Timothy 3 and verse 5. But look specifically, this is so good, look at specifically at 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 32. I brought this up in, I believe, my fellow citizens, what's on my mind episode. I told you this was going to be a little bit longer, and I do apologize for the length, but uh, please watch it all the way through. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse number 32, let's look at some distinctions here. Give none offense, neither to the Jews. Okay. Jews. Got it. Remember the inheritance, you know, Jew marrying a Jew inside their tribe. I get all that stuff and everything like that. And I'm going to mention something about that here in a second. Nor to the Gentiles. That's everybody else. That's every non-Jew out there. There's Jew, Gentile. Look what the next verse or words say. Nor to the church of God. Do you mean there's no distinction within the church of God? No. There's Jew, Gentile, lost, lost church of God. There is no distinction within the church of God. Uh, Unless somebody can show me specifically where that matters to the Lord Jesus Christ, as we're about to see here in a second. The answer, as I mentioned before, is an amazing thing. If you turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 19, I'm going to make a statement here, and I'm not trying to be flippant. I'm not trying to uh, say something that's not in the Word of God, okay? Uh, this is, I, I'll tell you right in the here and now, I, I don't find interracial marriage even found in the Bible anyways, that, that term. Um, but if you look here in Revelation for, uh, chapter 5 and verse 19, or excuse me, Revelation 5 in, I had a typo here, Revelation 5, And verse 9, sorry, I'd, I had a, a 1 in here instead of, uh, for 19 here, instead of 9. I apologize. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, we see here that Christ's bride, us, the bride of Christ, is the ultimate, the ultimate, if you want to put a label on it, and I, again, this is not found in the Bible, interracial marriage. Look what Revelation 5 and verse 9 says. And they sang a new, sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hath redeemed us, hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. Remember in Acts 17, he created us with one blood, but there was separation because of sin, but because of his blood. Now we have the blood of Christ imputed to us, the blood of Christ that washes away our sins. It makes us of one blood again. It says here, by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Because of what he did for us, that's why there's no distinction within the church of God. 
That's an amazing answer from the word of God, if you ask me. Interracial marriage, if that's a personal conviction of yours, if you, if you really want to come right down to it, but uh, I don't see that in the church of God. In fact, I don't even see that uh, for the entirety of the world. However, some people may disagree. And again, like I said at the beginning, I'm just giving you what I see from the word of God. That's it. Question four, what did Jesus say about marriage in his earthly ministry? We already read Matthew 19. Let's look at Mark chapter 10 and verse nine. I believe we already read Matthew 19. We might not have, but read Matthew 19 verse six. It's at the same account, but let's look at Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And verse number nine. No, we didn't read uh, Matthew nineteen six. So read that for the uh, the the other verse uh, that gives the same account. Okay, Ma- uh, Mark chapter ten and verse nine. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Don't forbid the Mary. Don't try to put it asunder, because what God, what God. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And it speaks in the verse right before it, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. We saw that in Genesis 2 and verse number 22. But let's turn over finally to Ephesians 5 and verse number 25. Ephesians 5 and verse number 25. Go back and watch the fellow citizen because I, I talked about fellow citizen out of, uh, I believe it was Ephesians 2. Uh, yep. I was talking about made nigh by the blood of Christ. It's amazing to, to think about. But Ephesians 2, go back and watch that fellow citizens uh, uh, video for that. But Ephesians 2. But look in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Thou hast redeemed us by thy blood, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself. You know, usually the father gives away the groom to the son. Well, it says here that uh, he presents it to himself. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The only reason why that is is because he clothes us in his righteousness. Amen and amen. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it, nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. (laughs) Just remember what Genesis 2 was talking about. Wow. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they shall and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. Paul's just showing the correlation, showing the word picture that I speak concerning Christ and the church, the bride of Christ. I hope you've uh, made it all the way through this study. I hope you look up the things and do not I repeat, do not sit there and say, well, Brother Mike said this. 
thus saith the scriptures. What saith the scriptures? Look at that. And again, like I said at the beginning, God bless you. You know, I'm, I don't have any hate in my heart as far as that goes. If somebody wants to hold to a certain uh, viewpoint, but I just want to follow what the word of God says. I can't find anywhere where God forbids to marry based upon skin color. I can't find it. And uh, there's a lot of different things get brought up. But even if, let's just say for sake of example, for uh, sake of argument's sake, that uh, you can find it in the Old Testament and everything is, okay, show it to me and convince me. And by the way, I'm not above being convinced or having my mind changed by the word of God. Please do. But in this dispensation, at this time, because of the death of the testator, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Because that sin, that enmity, that boundary that was placed between us and him, he was not afar off. And he's the same God that's working on your heart if you're watching this and you've made it all the way through that created you, made you a living soul. But man's sin separated him from God. But he provided the way of escape when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So that you can one day, all this stuff will, temporal stuff will end. Even husband-wife relationships will end at death. Because we're going to be married to another for all of eternity. We're already betrothed. We're waiting for that blessed hope. That's what I got. So thank you for joining me on this very long, I understand, what's on my mind. But God bless you. Love you in the Lord. And um, again, I've given out my email address and people know how to get a hold of me. So by now. So anyways, God bless you. Love you in the Lord. And uh, I'll see you next time on Let This Mind Be In You. Bye for now.